been like all day, I can say to him, you know, I need five minutes of silence. I'll set mm-hmm. the alarm. And he understands mm-hmm. that. And he watches yes. the alarm. And when it goes off, I can say, okay, I'm ready. Right. Yeah. And so that kind of communication helps to not only train your child on how to communicate their needs, but also it helps them to really understand and be able to honor what you need as well. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year child care veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at jenny at jennyb.co. Let's get started. Dr. Maisha Claiborne is an integrative family physician, master practitioner of NLP and hypnosis, and founder of the Mind Remapping Academy, School of NLP, Hypnosis, and Timeline Therapy. A healer at heart with over 20 years of experience, she is passionate about transforming the lives of the people she coaches and trains by teaching them how to communicate more effectively and how to eliminate the fear, self-doubt, negative thoughts, and feelings that get in the way of their clarity, communication, focus, and productivity so that they have more confidence in themselves, attract more of what they want, and take their careers and relationships to the next level so they can live a life beyond their wildest dreams. As a speaker, trainer, and coach, Dr. Maisha loves empowering her students and clients in business, entrepreneurship, and the power of the unconscious mind. Her own struggle with burnout is what originally inspired her to step outside the box, and her framework and programs now help doctors and medical professionals around the world reclaim their time, freedom, and peace of mind. All right. Welcome back to the Relational Parenting Podcast. We are here today with our guest, Maisha Claiborne. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Hi. Papa Rick. We are so excited to have you. Um, you are just a you are a wealth of knowledge. I there'll be a an introduction before this recording that where I list all of your credentials, but you are um you're just fantastic and the work that you do is fantastic. And I'm so excited for our audience to um, get all of the golden nuggets from you today. All kinds um, of cool stuff. Thank you. Looking forward to the conversation. So my first question for you is that you started off as a family physician, right? What kind of catalyzed that transition from being a family physician into all of the different uh, work that you do now? Yes, uh, at my career is a journey. Um, so, well, <laughs> the first thing I think is that I, I, I think that I have, I've always been off the beaten path. Like that's just been, I, I may, maybe I attribute that to my mom who I call the OG entrepreneur. I mean, she mm-hmm. got on her own, I think before it was super cool to do so. And, um, and so I was always very interested in different things. And so even as a family physician, I was interested in integrative health, like holistic, marrying traditional with the holistic. And um, as an undergraduate, I was a psychology 
major. And so I was always fascinated with the human behavior, why we do what we do, how the brain works. <laughs> why are they doing Why, those? exactly. What are you thinking? And it, and it and I think it comes from a little bit of my upbringing as well, you know, having a little bit of trauma in my background, understanding why why is it that I went through what I went through? Why did my, you know, my uh, stepfather at that time behave the way he behaved? Why, why, why? That was mm-hmm. my question. Yeah. Why, right. Mm-hmm. And so going into integrative medicine, I really loved it because there was this up uh, this opportunity for me to heal with the mind-body connection. But after a while, I know this just sounds weird, but I, I got bored. And and I'll I'll back that with the context. I, I think most family physicians go into family medicine because of the variety. Like we have these brains that are like, we want to do everything and serve everyone, which you can't yeah. always do. And then I, and then I had the, the, on top of that, the interest of how I marry traditional with holistic types of therapy. So I was an acupuncturist and I learned energy medicine. I was a Reiki, I'm a Reiki master. And then I, you know, learned um, neuro-linguistic programming. You know, I've learned all these various things to be able to increase the amount of healing that I could do with people. But at some point, and I don't know where this came from, I just recognized that my work in clinical medicine would not be the ultimate thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think there was this point where I got I got a little bit bored, but then I got complete. Like, you know what? I think I could stop seeing patients and be okay, but what could I do? I still wanted to impact patients. I just didn't want to have direct care with patients anymore. And so mm-hmm. how could I still heal and yet like not be in this one-to-one clinical relationship. Mm -hmm. Part of the catalyst for that also was that that was around the time that I had my son and that I had Mm. been in my career for 30, you know, eight years. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to create the type of career that would allow me the freedom to be there for my son at a moment's notice without there being repercussions to my income and the people that I served. Yeah. And so that was another part of it as well. And all of that led me into coaching. And so I learned, you know, NLP, I learned hypnosis. I learned all of these things. I used them in my practice until it was time for me to do the next thing, which was coach burned out health, healthcare professionals. <laughs> Full circle. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. for me, the way that sh- that showed up as uh, impacting on an exponential level is that, you know, if I, every doctor that I got to impact, I also impacted hundreds or thousands of their patients. Yeah. So it, yeah. Was, it was sort of like an indirect uh, sort of patient care in a way. Moving up, <laughs> moving up, moving up the food chain, extending your reach. Moving, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, moving up the impact ladder. <laughs> right. Right. I love this. I feel so, I just have to share really quick that we, hmm. our paths are very aligned. I I also studied psychology undergrad and I, and and I I just I constantly I remember from like an early age 5 6 7 years old just looking around me at my family life or my friends or whatever and just observing and questioning like why do they do that why why is this happening and I originally went to school for bio premed and switched to psychology um I did not become a doctor <laughs> but um but then the 
the transition that you're talking about going from one-on-one with people to um, shifting your impact to the people who are serving those people. I had the same realization a few years ago when I started my parent coaching um, journey where I've been a nanny uh, for so long and I've worked with one or maybe two families um, at a time and would provide ongoing care and education and all of these things. And then I realized one day if I taught parents, I could reach so many more children with my time and my energy and my skills. Just like you teaching doctors, you can now reach hundreds of their patients. Sphere of influence. Yeah. Exactly. And And then, so then what happened after that, talking about sphere of influence, is that when 2020 came around, we know all the things that happened in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> we call it the tridem, the, the tridemic, you know, the the isolation, the pandemic, and the and the racial tension and violence. Yeah. And so yeah. for me, that was a significant turning point because it was the it was the time where I had trained by this time. I I had trained in neurolinguistic programming as a trainer. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten the knock. Okay, it's time to teach the work that I've been using in coaching, yep. teach it to other healthcare professionals. But then when 2020 happened, and, and I, I I was invited by um, who now is a very close good friend, but she's also my business partner to step into social activism. And so then the the hmm. expertise that I have in communication, the expertise that I have in psychological safety and trauma, that then got mapped into organizational work and teaching. And it could have sort of got infused into the anti-racism teaching that I do and consulting that I do. But the psychological safety kind of is now standing on its own because we can look out at what's going on in a lot of organizations and and corporations and, and see where the the relationship between people is very transactional. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. you remember the great resignation when you really start to dissect what that is, it comes from this lack of safety. It comes from this very transactional um, employees being treated like a number. So mm-hmm. that's what led me into the organizational work. And again, I think that elevated my sort of sphere of impact. And so now the work that I do is has two arms. I do still teach the the uh, the communication into to individuals. I have a, a course called Communication That Transforms, uh, and I, I use that for the individuals and for organizations. But also, I teach neurolinguistic programming, and I certify other coaches so that they oh, want wow. they go out into their respective communities and use this transformational work to heal the people that they want to serve. So those are sort of the two arms in which I work. And, um, it's been a, it's been a wild ride because I think that for me, the transition has been very, um, it's been, I've been called down each path. It hasn't necessarily been like strategically planned as much as it's been called. And then I've had to sort of strategically plan it in reverse to make it, you know, that's a really interesting, um, combination amalgam of skills that are not not topical but all very current you know last few you know the the 
the pandemic and its effect on uh, uh, racial tension and work. And this is this is this is very cool. You are very much at the at the center of what's going on. Yeah. At least in America, it's going on all over the world. Isn't it, it is unfortunately. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know. So that's uh, this is very cool. I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. Awesome. So you, so your transit, this transition kind of, you said that, um, becoming a mom was, was one of the pieces, Mm. um, that kind of took you, took you through that transition. Um, and I'm curious because a lot of what you are trained in and a lot of what you talk about, um, parallels to, to parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, we've, we talked a little bit, um, on a phone call, you know, about your parenting journey, but I'm curious to hear from you how, how all of this training NLP, um, the hypnosis, the integrative medicine, how has that influenced you as a parent? Yeah. Well, what I'll, what I'll start with is that I'm, you know, for uh, those of you who cannot tell by my appearance, I am Gen X. <laughs> Generation X. <laughs> we need little tattoos on our right, foreheads right, to right, right. label Dude. us. Right, right. <laughs> Labels into the YouTube videos. Millennial. <laughs> raised by, you know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> raised by a an old school boomer. And, and you know, I always say that I, I think that my mom... Uh, she went through what she went through as a with me growing up, and she did the best she can with the resources that she had. And she has done her work, like she has mm. done the work of healing, and it has transformed our relationship. And Good so, having said that, of course, I came out like as an adult. I came out not even want, knowing if I wanted children based on my upbringing. And then when mm. I decided to have children, it was I'm definitely not repeating the mistakes of my mom now of course yeah. famous last words have right. i repeated some of those mistakes right. good luck with that yeah what difference is <laughs> you know there's right. some there's some awareness and there's 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 a there's a skill set of there's a skill set of apology a willingness to apologize when i do mess up mm. so that sort of yeah. thing so what i'll say in terms of like my training it's interesting because when i trained even up to being a trainer um, as an NLP <clears throat> and a hypnotherapist practitioner and trainer, I did m- most of that while my son was still very young. So he was like toddlerville. Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel like I was using, using the work at work and using the work with patients before I was, it was in my awareness to intentionally use it with my son, which sounds Mm -hmm. bonkers, but that's just the way I was like, you know, as a new mom, you're just sort of like hanging on. And as yeah, it's a a new experience. It's processing. You haven't formally gone out with it. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so then what happened was when I started running my trainings, I, he was, he was already four by the time I started running my trainings. And, and that was when I really started to see, oh, this is all of the stuff that can work with kids too. And the more I taught it, the more it reminded me to implement it. 
And yes, intentionally, sure. Yeah, intentionally. And what's been very interesting is to see him internalize this work and internalize the skills and the language and the language skills and use it sometimes to my, (laughs) you know, for me. (laughs) That was my first question is when when did he start? How old was he or how long did it take for him to start turning it around and using it Uh on you? Mother, you're not supposed to say that. Like he was about (laughs) five or six when I started hearing these elements. And sometimes and he's nine now. So sometimes I would use these language patterns and he'd be like, stop trying to hypnotize me, mommy. There you go. There you go. They keep us honest, man. They keep us honest. Yeah. Language. Stop talking that way. I know what you're trying to do. I'm like, (laughs) so yeah. What it did do, I think was it allowed me to access a little bit more playfulness because I kind of look at it as this, this experiment, you know, what, Mm -hmm. how can I, how can I talk differently so that it's really a little bit of a game so that he does what I need him to do when I need him to do it. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we talk about authoritarian and, you know, and controlling and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And that's just a perfect example of you don't just have to smack them with a stick to get them to do what you want. You, yeah. If you have some tools, then it can be a little more peaceable. It can be a little more of a fun game. You yeah. know, it's like, so what do I need to do to make this happen? You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's terrific. That's exactly what we're about here. And, and you know, I thought what's, what's been interesting, too, is that, as I teach the work, one of the things that's very, that comes up over and over is value. Like what's important to me, but also what's important to him. And one of the things that I've learned is, you know, I think as, as kids, nobody, as a child, nobody asked me what was important to me, like (laughs) what was important to me. But when Mm -hmm. I can listen to my son that way and, you know, observe and see what's important to him, then I can actually speak into that and create a context of we're a team, uh, we're a community Mm -hmm. and, and really speak into the values. I can speak those values, but I can also speak into, and what's important to you is, and, and, and thus, if you help me with this, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, son. That's right. <laughs> right? Which, unfortunately, is good preparation for life, it right? Is. You know, you got to look at the whole, the, the gestalt, and it's like, well, so how do I get along in the world? That's, yeah. what, that's what kids do. You well, know? and it's, relation, it's relationship skill, you, like, in, yep. in, and in workplaces, in, um, you know, in the real world, that's that's how you make it. That's how you create meaningful connections is that you are in fact, not just out for yourself, you're learning and valuing what other people are, are like what their values are and what matters to them and speaking to those things and creating authentic connections. And in a workplace, it's like, if you want to be a leader um, of any kind, anywhere, you have to be able to speak to your employees yeah. in their language. That's right. And yes. I, I think that that's one, been one of the biggest transitions in parenting culture now 
is that we've been, we've spent so many years and decades trying to get children to speak the language of adults. And what we really need is as adults, as the educated ones, as the leaders, we have to learn their language first. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that I love how you talk about the the shift of the culture of parenting. One of the things that I think is, is, can be super fun as a parent. It can be a little annoying sometimes too, but is to negotiate with yes. our kids. Yeah. Because yes. as you as you talked about, it is creating that life skill. And so one of the things I'll tell you my son is great at is negotiating mm-hmm. and and selling. I'm, and and I yes. have to, to where sometimes <laughs> I have to reframe myself and say, "Whoa, okay, this means he's going to be really good." I get right. his needs <laughs> right when right. he's grown. But, yeah. Yeah. But he is he is a master negotiator. And I and it's something that as a child I was never allowed to do. Mm-mm. And it doesn't mean that I don't still get to set boundaries because sometimes it just is not a negotiation. And sometimes I see, yeah. you know, the, the, my, one of my phrases is end of conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. And that's the important skill. You know, people, you see people at work uh, uh, out in the world and what they are is they're out of tools. They don't have the tools, you know, they go and they want to accomplish something right. for themselves right. or, uh, you know, maybe they get in charge of a team and they just, and they get frustrated and then they get dictatorial or, you know, they do something that doesn't work. And so teaching your children these skills and learning them yourself first, you know, you got to do the work mm-hmm. yeah. and then passing that on to yourself for a youth group, like you're doing, you know, coaching, whatever, putting that out in the world. You know, that's a, that's a real world changing thing that, that we can do as parents is to learn and to, and to teach our, give our kids those tools. Cause then they'll, cause then they will run the world, you know, that's. Uh, yeah. I mean, the world them resilience. Yeah. And yeah. flexibility of behavior. It gives them options in their brain. There's like always they, another thing to try. Yeah. Right? They're like not out of options. Exactly. They come up against an obstacle. It's not like, oh, no, I have nothing else to do. It's like, oh, how do I navigate around this obstacle? Yeah. You know, yeah. they're or navigating around victimhood. us parents' obstacles all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's right. I think that, that's I think why. That, that's what we're here for. Is exactly. Hit obstacles. Yeah. We're an obstacle to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get ready. I think them. that resilience, resiliency is such a huge, like, I don't know. I feel like from person to person, the 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 way that someone finds resilience is so different um, because you know, Mm. in the context of this podcast and the context of what I teach, resilience is created by, by letting your children negotiate with you. Um, and sometimes the answer is just gonna be no, but they've tried three or four or five different ways to get what they want. Yeah. And then sometimes the answer, like they're gonna, you, you, you're going to negotiate back and you're going to come to, um, a conclusion together. Right. Um, and, and then they learn sometimes this is going to work and sometimes it's not. And I'm, and I'm going to get back up again, try again. And I think in past, in the past in parenting culture, what I have seen is that resilience is built by your children, by, by your children constantly failing or constantly 
hearing no or constantly going through traumatic situations. And there are adults that I know now who speak to resilience that they built during their childhood because of these terrible things that adults did to them or these, these, these terrible, you know, like traumas or, yeah, I mean, traumas and then, but then, yeah, just, just also on, on a less traumatic level, even just parents who, who gave them no voice whatsoever. Um, but a lot of, a lot, there are kids Mm. who come out of that more resilient and tough. There are a lot of people who come out of that meek and quiet and people pleasers and scared to speak up and who, who go the opposite way. And I think that the definition of how we build resilience is, is changing. Um, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It is. I do want to, can I clarify something? Absolutely. Yeah. So one thing, you know, there is, I just want to clarify something around trauma because I think it's extremely important is Mm -hmm. that even though it seems that a parent not giving a child a voice is less traumatic, it is still trauma. Absolutely. It's it's different looking trauma and it's Mm -hmm. trauma and the turning out meek and, and unable to stand for oneself is Mm -hmm. part of a trauma response. The people pleasing is actually a part of a trauma response. response. Yes. The tend to befriend response. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting to study the kind of very, all the flavors of trauma. Oh yeah. We could have a whole conversation about that because that's, that's right down my lane. I just wanted to, I don't, I don't want the listeners to go away with, Oh, well, you know, because I grew up in a home witnessing domestic abuse, right? That's, that is mm-hmm. a particular type of trauma. But I have mm-hmm. people who grew up and their parents, like, you know, never they didn't have love in their family. Like, I had love in my family. I witnessed domestic abuse, but my mom hugged mm-hmm. me and, you know, she there was there was a lot of complexity in the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But that but mm-hmm. I knew that I knew that I was loved. But then there are people who grew up who they they questioned it, whether it mm-hmm. was because their parents were never present. And they just threw money at them, which some people mm-hmm. would, would be like, well, how's that traumatic? Well, no you never know money. until you're in someone's shoes. So what mm-hmm. is trauma for one person may not be trauma for another person. Trauma is mm-hmm. universal. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. like make sure that the, the audience is clear that trauma looks yeah. a, a whole lot of ways to a whole lot of people. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and there's a lot of traumas in the world. I uh, one way I think of it is is there are traumas that are actually illegal, mm-hmm. that, that are obvious and cut and dried enough that yeah. they you know they we've legislated mm-hmm. against yeah. them. And then there's a lot more that are, you know, there's no actual law against yeah. doing things. It's just not a great idea. And it now we can now we can manage it. You know, learn some skills to kind of manage the little ones ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think I appreciate that clarification, Maisha, because I I do think that that's a pervasive issue that still exists in parenting culture. Is that well, I I don't beat my kid, I don't yell at my kid, um, so they're fine. Yeah. So all these other mistakes are are just mistakes, and I can always make up for them. 
And I think there's an element of like, yes, if you fail, if you have a failure moment as a parent, like going back and repairing and making up for it, but also like there are a lot of ways that we cause trauma Mm -hmm. to our children and we lay our anxieties or our fears or the, you know, our, our shitty mindsets, (laughs) um, or we tell our, you know, we, we, we don't show our kids love in the way that they need to be shown love. We don't Mm -hmm. truly know our children on an intimate level. Um, and we stay surface based and we, we feed them and clothe them and, and put them in school. And so they're going to be fine. Um, but there's a much deeper level of emotional trauma that occurs. And if you're, if you're not in tune with that and you're not willing to look at that truth, um, then it it is, and it it does get exacerbated. I see it all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, um, there's, there's the physical trauma you can see, and then there's the invisible psychological, emotional trauma that you can't see. And some of it is loud and some of it, some of it is very insidious, but the good news because I always like to bring people to the good news because, yeah. you know, parents be like, oh, no, I'm traumatizing my kids. Oh, I'm this is hard <laughs> enough already. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. When I first started really delving into trauma, I was like, oh, my gosh, my son, already I'm yeah. traumatizing him, right? And yeah. but the good news is that <laughs> the research shows that it, it only takes one stable relationship over time mm-hmm. so that children are become mm-hmm. resilient and they bounce back. So just, you know, like a good role model. Yes. Yeah. Right. If you got one, but okay. Everybody doesn't have to be wonderful. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, you know, I think that that could be, that's an impossibility that everybody's going to (laughs) be. There's, there's always one, you know, there's always one that's, that's often, that's a little bit off uh, track, but, but I, but I think that we have to account for that children are very resilient. They are naturally resilient and we can, uh, if we if we present them with the right environment to be mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and so I, I love what you said coming back, Jenny, to the culture of how people how children are becoming resilient is changing, and mm-hmm. and also I think that we you know to some extent swung from one extreme to the other for a while, mm-hmm. and so we do I do think there's there's you know a subset of the generations the younger generations that that are still building, that are lacking resilience. And I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to blame it on I, I, my, the, the Gen X, the Gen X, my generation of people who are, were trying to make it so much better for their kids mm. that they took away. And it's not everybody, mm-hmm. but I'm saying, I've seen it, you know, they yeah. took away the struggle. They yeah. take away all of the opportunity for growth. And so yeah. And I think that especially with people like me who, you know, like I middle class with, well, I've got this training. It would be easy for me to, mm-hmm. for my child to be going through life feeling like, oh, there's no, there's, there's no obstacles in life. That would be very right. easy. Right. And, and so I have to intentionally create these boundaries or these barriers or these obstacles so that mm-hmm. you can develop you know, yeah. the resilience, I may have the, the means to do something, but I may say no, yeah. you know, I'm, it, there may be, there may be times I say no, just so that he can experience no. Right. Mm. Because I say yes a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When people complain about the kids, 
I always, my, my first reaction is like, well, where's their parents? Yeah. Well, who raised right? them? Yeah. You don't, them? you don't get to complain. And my generation, we don't get to complain about the gen, the, the gen Xers or the gen Zers or anybody, because we, I mean, we started that chain. Right. And so it's like, well, so what might you do different mm-hmm. in the future with your grandchildren mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, when you're talking with people, it's like uh, back to the community thing. Right. We were all responsible for all these people. And so it's, I agree. It's time for a time for a reality check. Time for a yeah. correction. Most people <laughs> would not survive um, a wagon uh, a ride in a wagon mm-hmm. out to the middle of Kansas uh, anymore. You That's know, right. it's not that not that kind of stuff. I think as a society, a lot of struggle has been removed as well. So I think it has it's it has to be a very intentional awareness um, and intentional action taking to not let yourself or your children become so comfortable that, I mean, for, for me and my personal experience, when I get too comfortable, life gets boring. I get depressed. Like, and I think, and I think that's true for a lot of people. And I think that, um, people, you know, (laughs) the one that comes to mind is, um, cold plunging and there's, there's, (laughs) There's, I, <laughs> okay, I love it. I've done it. I, I can't do it because I'm pregnant and I, and I hate that I can't do, I can't do the sauna or the cold plunge, but there, but they, you know, there's research, there's, there's med, yeah. there, there are physiological benefits yeah. to both of those things, yeah. but we are no longer exposed. Like, you know, cave people didn't have cold plunges <laughs> because they had to weather zero degree temperatures with, with no insulation, right? They had furs (laughs) and, and they hid in their caves. Um, but they, we don't experience the extremes of the natural world the way that we used to, and we don't have to hunt for our food and we don't, you know, and even something as basic as screen time, because nowadays that's such a huge topic, um, in parenting and something that, that makes yeah. parenting so much easier when they, when you're stressed out, when you're trying to cook dinner, when you just need five minutes to yourself is putting your kid in front of a screen. And the more that you do it, the more that you do it. Um, and I've seen the snowball effect in many families. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying like zero screen time. Don't ever let your kid look at a screen. But the amount of children's iPads that I see when I go out into the world that like the parents and children are just never interacting. And it's, it's gotten to a level of, of comfort of um it's convenience it's convenience it's like everything else. processed food that's why we all get processed foods, we're sitting around the eating. grocery store yeah, yeah it's, it's easy all yeah it's something and it you know there are wonderful parts of society where it, it has made our lives easier but there's a line and you have to find it for yourself and you have to find it for your own family it's going to be different for everybody where is the line of too comfortable right yeah because we're then that's that. when you, that's when children growing up in a too comfortable environment, not allowed to struggle through life's natural, um, roadblocks, 
that that they quit building resilience. They expect yeses, they you know, all of the time, and then they go out into the world and discover that that's not real, right? And they fall apart. And they have no skills to overcome it. Listen, I think that some of the um, the violence that we see. I mean, there's there's mm. there's various. So there's you could we could say that there's the gun violence, right? The school mm-hmm. stuff that goes on, you know, kid being yeah. told no, a parent being told no, and rather mm-hmm. than dealing with their anger in a different kind of way or dealing with that rejection, they yeah. go to a, you know, to a, a mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen in the younger generation mm-hmm. is very interesting where um, women who have been approached or propositioned by men like hey, can I get your number? If they say no, mm-hmm. violence incited against women for saying no yeah. to something like yeah. that. like Not used was, to hearing no. Right. Hmm. Not used yeah. to hearing no. And that is crazy to yeah, me. That's just a lack of uh, basic social <clears throat> skills. Right. But then you got to look hmm. at the parent who didn't tell them no. Right. Yeah. Who didn't tell you? Don't them get no. to complain about a kid without looking at the parent and going, "How did that happen? You got to fix mm-hmm. it." In yeah. earlier generations, yeah. Or the other pieces. What were they watching in their household yeah. that when someone said no, they thought it was okay to incite that kind of violence? Because yeah. perhaps they grew up in a yeah. household where when someone said no, the other person incited violence until there was a yes. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, it's like, it's, these are the things we, we look at and understanding that it's interesting. I had this recently had this conversation that as a parent, we must understand that whether or not we are directly interacting in certain ways with our kids or not, our kids are always being impacted by our environment. Yes. Yep. We're teaching them whether we're doing it on purpose or not. Exactly. Just by, exactly. Yeah. They're watching yeah. the and dynamics. you're a major figure for exactly. a kid. They're, yeah. di- they're watching the dynamics of the household. They're watching how we react. They're watching yeah. how we don't react, what we say and how what we don't say. How do you talk on the say. phone to other people? Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. everything's an example. Exactly. The way we treat people in restaurants, you know. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Just so it's like they're always watching and listening. And learning yeah. and absorbing. And so yeah. that's why, you know, Papa Rick, what you said earlier, which was, we got to do the work. Yeah. You got to, yeah, Jenny says this all the time. You know, you, there's no way, there's no way out but through, right? You can hunker down, um, uh, but there's there's no real way out until you get through it and deal with it. And you can't really help anybody else do it until you've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can support, but until you've walked the path, you know, walking a mile in the other guy's moccasins kind of thing, it's uh, a lot of parenting is doing a lot of work on yourself, uh, like you were talking about um, earlier, and then realizing that's how you need to deal with your kids. Yeah. It's tough being a role model all the time. I, you know, people mm-hmm. talk about role model sports stars and stuff like that. It's like, well, mom, dad. Yeah, yeah. You better check yourself that's because right. you're a role yeah. model whether you like it or not. Maybe that's the hard part. Yeah. You can't do it perfectly, and you're always on, on display with your kids. And so it is kind of a uh, responsibility. You it, know, really it's is. it really is. And it's interesting, I think, too, to, to note that for parents, especially first-time parents, but I think even with 
parents of multiples, that with every developmental stage that your child goes through, you're mm-hmm. going to need to do more work. You yeah. know? I hate that. I hate that. I started off yep. parenting going, I am going to nail this. We are going to figure this out. And then it changed. Next week it changes. It's like, yep. damn it. Yes. <laughs> you got it down. They yeah. turn four. What's up with five. that? And then you're yep. like, what is this new voice? Who is this new kid in my house? Yeah. Uh-huh. New attitude happening. Oh, they're right. in this developmental stage now. So they're like trying to get their autonomy or they're yeah. trying to do this. But you, like go back to the developmental stages and for, and right. then you, ha- they, you know, they, they are very intuitively connected to your buttons, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah. Oh. Yes. So they will, well, they're studying them. Oh, yeah. They will press all of them with yep. each developmental yeah. stage. And so it's, it's just like, like the layer, the, it's, it's a mountain with no top, this whole personal development thing as a parent, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's how we get to to enlightenment. What is it? Uh, uh, where are the Zen people going? I can't think of the word now. But, you know, it's uh, my favorite analogy is after I watched Jurassic Park. And then I was teaching, I was teaching Sunday school or something. I had a crowd of kids that I didn't know what to do with. And and I realized they're all little velociraptors. There's that scene in the first Jurassic <laughs> yeah. Park, right, where the where the guy the game guy is introducing them to the velociraptors. Oh, and mm-hmm. He sidles up and says, "They're systematically testing your fences. <laughs> <laughs> they're intelligent. Yes. You can see it in their eyes." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "That that's children. We are the fences as parents mm-hmm. at a community." And the kids are all velociraptors, going, "How do I get past this <laughs> fence?" Just because I want to, you know, I don't even know what's out there. I just, I'm just testing everything. And it's like, man, you well, that's how they learn. Yeah. They're yeah. learning. Yeah. It's Which a great thing. Which is what they're supposed thing. to do. <laughs> it's a perfect thing. They're just doing their jobs, you know, but you got, you got to learn where to put up fences and where to like, okay, you can, you know, that, that I walk through there. That's not going to kill you. Yeah. You know, that's a brilliant metaphor. There. <laughs> I love it. And, I like, and I, yes, I, I might have to, I might have to use that. I might have to quote you on that. That's a brilliant metaphor. <laughs> you know? I would be honored. It's all yours. <laughs> you know, but what's, what's, you know, what's, what's also interesting is that um, what's the, a lot of psychologists, a lot of therapists say is that them testing the boundaries, them doing that, that is an indication of them feeling safe. Yes. They'll only do that with the with the parents that they'll pr- they'll push yeah. the boundaries with the parents that they feel or the people they feel the most safe. They trust That's them to set point. the boundary, to hold the boundary, but they also trust them not to hurt or harm Get, them. Yeah, they're not afraid yes, of the exactly. fence. Yeah. I hear from a lot of moms who tend moms tend to be the ones with the comfort and the, and the safety. Um, not always, but I hear a lot of moms, um, and there's a million memes out there too of like, Oh great. I'm my child's safe place, which means I get the worst of them most of the time. And yeah, well, and like you see little kids or I mean, any aged child come home from school where they've had to mask all day and behave and do the right thing and, and talk a certain way or, you know, whatever. And they come home and they, and they fall apart and they need, or they need to decompress or, you know, just like any of us, if we, if, you know, go to work and come home, we need an hour before we're like ready to talk to anybody in our household or whatever it is. Like it takes a massive amount of energy to act right. 
for seven or eight hours a day. And then you come home and fall apart. And I see it in preschoolers a lot. It's Mm -hmm. because it's because they're so young. They're so little. They have no ability to, to hide it. They come home from preschool and they're, they're just little velociraptors and they fall apart and they cry and they scream at every little thing. But their teacher is like, they were so wonderful and they were helped this person and they wanted to be the the cleaner upper and, and, you know, whatever. And they come home to you and you're like, why do you treat, you know, it's hard not to take it personally when you are the safe place because you think you're doing something wrong. And the reality is like, you're actually doing everything right there. They feel safe with you, but the reward, you don't get to see the reward of that. And unless you're really tuning into like what other people are saying about your child or when you see how functional and and wonderful they are as an adult or you watch them be in like a wonderful, healthy marriage or, you know, all these other pieces that it's kind of a delayed gratification role, being a Mm -hmm. parent, being the safe place. Mm -hmm. That is such a thing as a parent getting a good report about your kid when they didn't know they were under observation. You know, they're not yet aware of the parent network talking to one another and it comes and come to think of it that's a great reason to be part of a parent network be with other parents mm-hmm. and make sure you say something if you catch an if you catch an admirable act catch them being yeah. good right yeah. make sure you pass it on to the parent yeah. um because yeah there's so much of them once they're out in the world you know that's uh, they don't you don't get to see that so, so let them let the parents know encourage the parents yeah. that's a good point I think also it, I think being a part of a good parent network helps you know that you're not alone. There's so many conversations, you know, where, where as much as, as you know, I'm in, I'm in the personal development space, but sometimes I just need to commiserate with my moms. I'm like, let me just tell you, you know, like we get, we, the first five minutes is, let me just tell you what my boy did. Is your boy doing yeah. like what this happened? is kicking my is butt? Yeah, what is, is it? Is this a nine-year-old boy thing? Or is am I yeah. is, is <laughs> sure. path, like what's happening here? Or like, is it is he an alien? <laughs> right? And then they're like, oh no, no. My son did this, or my daughter did this, and th- and, and we're like, oh shoot, I'm not alone. Yeah. This is not a developmental thing, you know? We're under the bell curve. We're we're in the middle of the bell curve. Wow. Okay. Right. So I think that's another great reason to have a parent network because you can you can yeah. do a little bit of commiseration, especially when you're a part of a parent network who has like minds because you know you're going to commiserate, but then you know yeah. you're going to come back to, all right, these are the, the solution oriented talk or you're not, you know, just yeah. slamming your kids. But what you're doing is you're you're getting the release. And if you think about, you know, Jenny, what you said, the kids who have to act right the entire day, they have to mask the entire day. Imagine as an adult, people who have to do that mm-hmm. because, yeah. you yep. know, let's be real. People go to work and they have to be a certain way for their their employer. Yeah. They may be masking for their employer yeah. all day. And yeah. imagine someone and, and their brains are fully developed for the most part. Right. And then, chronologically, you know, anyway. speaking, right? They may be arrested yeah. in development. The time has <laughs> passed, yeah. you know. Right. But then imagine, you know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a, a, a small person whose brain is not fully developed and how much more brain energy that takes. Mm-hmm. So when they come yes. home, all they want to do is, you know. And so, you know, for my son. One of the things I know about him is for him, he's a very physical, he's a very kinesthetic person. And what mm-hmm. he wants most when we get home is a hug. And so 
oftentimes, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's the way yeah. he gets to unmask. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I give him his space and he goes and he plays. And we don't do we don't do any um, TV during the week. Uh, he's allowed podcasting. He's not allowed even watching mm-hmm. watching stuff on the device, but he can listen to podcasts while he plays with his Beyblade. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beyblade. I don't even know what that it's is. Like, wow. No, it's like an anime thing, this toy, and there's a spinner. Oh, okay. And, you know, I, okay. I, yes, it's that. It's like it's it's adjacent to Pokemon. If you've heard of Pokemon. I'm so out of it. I'm so yeah, out of it. Yeah, kind of Pokemon adjacent. But uh, yeah, he's he's in the anime a little bit. But yeah, so I, you know, he, the first thing we do when we get in the house is I just I just hold him for a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I hold him, give him that for how many minutes he needs it. Then yeah. I can go back upstairs, do what I need to do, finish my work for the day. He can decompress doing his play stuff for the day. Then we can come back together yeah. for dinner and just hang yeah. and have conversation and then, you know, do our mom some stuff, son stuff for the rest of the day. People That's forget. What... I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, my husband and I have the same, the same rule. Um, when it's one of our agreements that we established very early on is that when, and it came from, from me needing, like when I come home, like, I just need a long hug. Like, I don't want to talk. I don't like, I just want, I just need a long hug. And then like whatever he was doing, cause he used to, he used to, um, go to school from home. The pandemic hit when he was in nursing school mm-hmm. um, and I was nannying full time. And so I would be gone all day. He'd be home alone all day <laughs> and going crazy. And I'd be like getting touched out and, and talked out mm-hmm. and all of the things. And we'd come home and be on just completely different levels. And we eventually decided that our, this reunion, this end of the day reunion, um, would be, he would stop whatever he was doing and greet me at the door when he knew I was coming home. And we would just hug for a minimum of 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I was like, I just need to lay on your shoulder for like a minute and a half, man. Mm-hmm. Can I, <laughs> yes. can I have then, 50 more seconds? Yeah. yeah. And then he can, and then he can go back to doing whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. I need, you know, half an hour or whatever to like unpack my lunch and um, just have mm-hmm. silence or whatever. Um, and then we'd come back together to have like an evening together and he could tell Mm -hmm. me all about his day or what, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it was, but yeah, that like that reunion time when we're away from one another with our like specifically parents and children, um, or partners or whatever. But when, Mm -hmm. when you're away from each other for a long period of time and everyone's out in the world doing what they're doing when you come home to your safe space, having even a 20 second ritual like that, where it's just like, okay, we're back together. We're reestablishing heartbeats and like safety and like consciously managing that transition that that ritual Mm -hmm. was the, was the word that came to my mind was that's a, that's a great, tool it is um to have in your toolbox and for your kids to witness you know yes uh the thing i was going to jump in about was we forget how much energy our brain takes you know i right. the, the brain uses up like 20 i remember playing chess as a kid and just being exhausted at the end of a game mm-hmm. like i'd play, just like i'd been playing you know i couldn't figure out why i'd be hungry after playing a playing a two-hour game of chess and that's kids you know anytime you're like at work, you know, you're going from work you to home you or whatever, 
Uh, it's great. It'd be great to have a, an act, be aware of it and have a ritual and make the transition, you know, di- ditch the mask and some way to transition formally, kind of semi-formally. That's a, that's a great idea. I like that. Absolutely. I, th- I think also in like demonstrating that transition and, and, and one of the things that I do with my son, because, you know, let's talk about, you know, you got the introvert, introvert parents and extrovert parents and introvert kids and extrovert kids. And that's a whole, Ooh, that could be a whole good conversation as mm-hmm. well, but I'm so complicated. I know, right. I don't, <laughs> um, I, I'm a tested introvert. So I, I, I do okay. like value that, that quiet time that I need that transition time. And my job is mm-hmm. to talk to people all day. Like that's my job. Like I'm in meetings or I'm coaching or I'm training or I'm consulting. And so one of the things that I have over time taught my son, and I use this phrase a lot, um, how my brain works or mommy's brain needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, a lot of times, okay. you know, if I have a rel- a day with some breaks in it, then I can like drive to his school in silence. And by the time I get him, I'm good. Because I know as soon as he gets in the car, he's going to be like, yeah. But every now and again, when I have an extremely busy day and I come directly from one thing to pick him up and Mm -hmm. it's been like all day, I can say to him, you know, I need five minutes of silence. I'll set Mm -hmm. the alarm. And he understands Mm -hmm. that and he watches the alarm and when it goes off, I can say, okay, I'm ready. Right. And so that kind of communication helps to not only train your child on how to communicate their needs, but also it helps them to really understand and be able to honor what you need as well. And so now there's this thing that my son will do because he always finishes dinner before me because he eats fast. I mean, and and also because (laughs) I always sit down to the table five minutes after him because I'm usually making my dinner after his he yeah. will ask me when he finishes, do you want me to stay and, and keep you company or would you like some quiet time or would you like some alone no. time? Yeah. And so sometimes I'll say, well, whatever you want. He's like, no, what do you want, mommy? And this is I'm really like, turning into emotional intelligence here. This is really cool. Yeah. You know? And you so, know? I, you know, oftentimes I'll say, yeah, keep me company. Let's talk. What do you want to talk about? Or sometimes I will be like, you know what? I think I'll just take some quiet time and he'll go and he'll play. And then, you know, usually when I'm done and clean the kitchen, I'll go in there with him and then I'll give him, you know, the specified amount of time that he needs, which by the way, because children, their concept of time is just so different. Parents be thinking, oh, I got to spend hours and hours and hours and hours with my kid to make them feel like to be a good Mm -hmm. parent and to make, no, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really management. Yeah. You know, you're you're consciously managing your feelings yourself. It's like, ah, I need a minute. Yeah. You know, and communicating expectations and all those good, healthy, positive adult uh, qualities, you know, mm-hmm. you look for in a partner. Nine-year-old kid can do it. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's like advanced relationship skills level yeah. that he can offer you to stay, do you want me to stay at the table with you or would you like some alone time? That's stuff that like, that's consideration that 
you know, my husband and I are still working on Mm -hmm. in different situations. That's, I mean, adults struggle with, with that kind of awareness. And, and you, you also mentioned Maisha, the, the mom group, the parent or the parent community, you know, where you can just go in and spend the first five minutes just like bitching mm-hmm. or being like, my, ch- my kid did this. Like, right. Does your kid yeah. do that? I feel crazy. <laughs> and there's, there's something about authentic communication that, that we're all like, we're also, we talk about this a lot on this podcast is that you, you can't just be you can't just make everything sunshine and rainbows with your kids. You can't hide the reality of life because then your kid grows up and they don't understand that other people besides them have needs that, yeah. that they play a role in society. If they're not playing a role in your house where they're giving and receiving. Um, and, and I think this is another parent culture shift is that we went from, you know, we swung from kids don't speak unless they're spoken to, to sacrifice yourself and everything and your needs to make sure your kids' needs are met. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're slowly in the last 10 years or so swinging back to a more centered area and a more balanced place of like, I'm a human being too. My child is a human being and we need to be as real as possible, as real world as possible with our children. Um, inside the household, because what's inside the household needs to reflect what we want them to find outside the household. Model the world that should not be, yeah. the worst part of what exists outside of our household. We don't need to be mean or rude or yell because that's the reality that exists outside the household. But we also can't cover up and be be toxically positive all the time and pretend everything's okay either. Like there has to be a real world balance inside of the home and teaching your child that you also have needs and saying, hey, I really want to hear all about your day. I just need five minutes right now. My brain is is really tired and it needs to rest for a minute and just putting it in words they can understand at whatever age they're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your kid will be, Oh my God, your, your connection with your kid will be so much deeper yeah. by simply communicating in, in a real way. Yeah. That we're all that way. Yeah. That busyness in your yeah. head when you feel like screaming. Yeah. I get that too. Yeah. Yes. Let's all take, you know, you and me, we're the same. Here's how you, here's how you manage. Yeah. That. Give me five minutes. Yeah. You go play, whatever. And then we'll go. Yeah. yeah. You're teaching them. Yeah. That's great. And I also think that we need to empower our kids with skills as well. You know, like I think that from the, again, the swing from the kids are, are like the little Cinderella's and Cinderella's mm-hmm. of the house to now, <laughs> like to now we, we have, you know, someone who cleans the house once a week and they don't do mm-hmm. anything. They don't cook. They don't do, you know, like that kind of yeah. thing. In my household, yeah. my son makes, you know, my son started making his own lunch when he was four supervised. Mm-hmm. My son nice. will yep. wipe the table. My son is now responsible for both the bathroom or the, the bathrooms. He's, you know, like he sweeps the floor. I mean, he he's, I did chores nice. growing up. That's one thing yeah. I, I, I yeah. you know, in terms of old school values, it's one of the things, it's one thing that I kept. Because I see now yeah. some of these young people, Gen Z people who can't boil an egg or boil pasta. Right. And I'm like, how is that possible? 
Like I grew up in a house <laughs> cooking whole meals. Yeah. Now I do What's know wrong that with them? could be cultural. Some of that could be cultural. Some of that could be circumstantial. Yeah. Like, you know, if a person didn't grow up, you know, I, I have a friend who she said, oh, I grew up on, on, um, uh, gas station food. So her circumstance was her circumstance. Mm. So she, now she's learning yeah. how to cook. Yeah. And yeah. I can't, I didn't, that wasn't me. Like I grew up in a household yeah. where I was responsible for dinner a lot of times because I'm the oldest and my mom mm. worked yeah. and she was a single mom as yeah. well. And so she, you were she half was, mom. Yeah, yeah. So I was helping like that. So I think that you were parentified. That's a word. I was like, definitely right? parentified. I was definitely. So, you know, there's the balance. There was a balance between, you know, I was a lot key kid, lot, what do you call it? A lot key kid. So it's a balance yeah. between yeah. lock and keying our children and also, you know, um, uh, having them be without simple life skills like folding clothes and washing clothes and, yeah. you know, cleaning your house and things of that nature, right? Knowing how to shop for food yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah. So I think those last two things we talked about are, are uh, conjoined, are, are, are joined together because when your son started making his lunch at four, did you jump in and correct how he was doing it overly? Or, I mean, did you allow, you had to kind of, lower your expectations uh, yeah, for what a school mess. lunch looked like <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Now, if now if you're going to expect your four-year-old to make his own lunch and not leave a bit of a trail of destruction right. behind right. in the beginning till he's got some more practice or right. whatever or gets older, that's going to be a problem. Those things, you know, that, that ex- expectation of perfection in the world. Right, exactly. And teaching things and allowing kids to practice and be horrible you know, and spill the milk once in a while mm-hmm. and stuff and and becoming more competent yeah. sooner that those things are you know expectations of perfection in the world oh, gosh, are yeah. not compatible with anything and including okay. your own thinking do you things know? together too like make it it's fun a mess. you know like you know, I mess, like, yeah. he, my son will now come in and say can i help you can i help you cook dinner and i'm like yeah what do you want to do i was like won't you put the water on for the pasta mm. and then yeah. he's like well i want to put the ravioli in i'm like well here's the spoon here's how you do it and then when he yeah. eats his food he has a different appreciation for it because mm-hmm. he made it and he's like, yep. oh, yes. it tastes good, mommy. I'm like, oh, it tasted so good. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. is better than mine. the ravioli that you boiled and <laughs> <laughs> put some bread. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The canned sauce. Yes. Convenient sauce. Something we say all the time, though, is like, do, like, bring your kids into, and I see it, I see it in parenting. I see it in the nanny world all the time is like, We would, you know, the expectation of nannies is to clean the house while the kids are napping, Mm -hmm. to clean up after, like, you know, pick up the toys at the end of the day, make so that when the parents come home, the house is, you know, they come home to a clean house um, or, or whatever. And, and I see so many nannies being burnt out or feeling frustrated or whatever, because they don't have a break or they don't have any time to themselves. But the, you know, and something I started doing about, about five years ago in that career is I was, I looked around, I was like, and it was about the same time I started becoming more and more aware of, of, you know, gentle parenting, relational parenting, mm-hmm. you know, these other like research backed skills yeah. that were, that I was looking around and being like, this is it. This doesn't feel right. This isn't right. Like something's missing here. Um, exploring my own childhood, all those things. And I started like after lunch, like we would have 15 minutes before we would go up for nap time of cleanup time. 
it, we would clean up the kitchen. The kids would clean up their toys, um, and, or, or whatever, whatever it was. And then, and, you know, we made it fun. We made it a game cause they were really young and, and then, you know, there was a lot of resistance to bath time after dinner. And so we made, I made up a song about naked babies and, <laughs> and, it, became, <laughs> and it became, can you sing that would, for like, us now? I'd like to hear would, that song. <laughs> um, we'd be like naked baby time and they'd get excited and they'd like, they'd like smack their, their trays, their high chairs and they'd sing the song and like, and it was a whole thing. And, and it's just you know, I'd have them, they'd, um, the older one, I think he started cracking his own eggs for breakfast when he was like two and a half. Um, he would get up on his stool up on the counter next to me and he'd pull out the eggs and, and he'd crack his own eggs into the bowl and he'd dig the shells out if he dropped a shell in. And, and I mean, all of these different pieces where like, I started bringing them in to cook with me instead of being like, go play, go play, go play. Or, you know, they had a little cleanup exactly. set of like a little, a little tiny broom, but a little tiny dustpan and a little that. tiny mop. Yeah. And yeah. I'd pull out the vacuum and, and they'd be like, they'd want a vacuum. So I'd make it the small, the mini, it was a Dyson where you could like detach yeah. the long thing mm. and put the little short one on mm. and they'd run around on the floor and vacuum. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Like, like. And they loved it. They would do lawn. They wanted to do laundry. Like they want to do the things we're doing. And, and it's also teaching them what yeah. goes into having a house mm-hmm. and a household. Useful skills. Like the modern day Mary Poppins. <laughs> there you go. Just a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> like <spit> right. <laughs> But it was, it was life changing. And then nap time, man, that I got a break. I got to eat my lunch in silence. I got to read a book. Mm-hmm. I got to watch a TV show. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I got to just stare into the space silently. <laughs> <laughs> no one asking me for anything. And like the cortisol and, levels fall mm-hmm. back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> I got to regulate myself for the second half of the day. Sometimes I would take a nap. Like, and I, that particular family, there was one particular family who, they were very adamant. Make sure you take a break. Make sure you like whatever. And like, as long as the baby monitor's on, like take a nap. We don't care, you know? Yeah. And, and they so, had yeah. burned out nannies before you were living the first life, nanny. living life with our kids versus having this separation between adult life and child life. Yeah. Like we all live in the same household. We all need the same things like bringing our children into, into that, the daily activities is is so important it's so important yeah it's amazing how often you can look at people and look at them as children we were talking a little bit ago about you know chronological age and that kind right. of thing you know yeah. and it's like it's like okay i you know i just realized i'm dealing with a, a 13 year old girl not a not a 50 year old girl and uh and how much and how much that that helps, you know, those life skills that a lot of us didn't get mm-hmm. the earlier, boy, say it again, the earlier you can give that stuff to your kids. It is possible to give it to your kids earlier, but you got to figure it out yourself yeah. a little bit If and work on you, work on and then work on your kids. And it should all go relatively smoothly, barring avalanches and catastrophic things yeah. coming at us from the side. <laughs> right. Hmm. hmm. This is great stuff. Yeah. Um, Maisha, is there is there any topic that we haven't hit on? I mean, there's yeah. 
I always, I always get towards like the hour mark and I'm like, there's so many things we didn't touch on. Um, is there anything specifically we haven't touched on that you want to speak to? I think that we have had such a robust conversation. We have covered, you know, we have covered from the window to the wall. To the wall. What is that for? I couldn't help it. We found something the boomer doesn't know. Yes. Yes, Never heard. That's at least two things. I've, I've, let on that I don't know. That's not just two. You don't, Windows to you the wall. I don't know this one, though. You don't. Uh, well, it's I'm going to Google it. If it's on Google, I'll know soon enough. You'll find it. You'll find it. It's a, it's a, it's a song. It's a song? Yeah. It's kind of a rock song. Taylor Swift? Um, <laughs> yes, it's a Taylor Swift song. Hannah, Hannah Montana? Isn't yeah. everything a Taylor Swift song now? Yeah. She writes about oh so many things. Yeah, we have covered a ton of stuff. And I and I mean, it's just it's yeah. been an amazing conversation. and so, 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 so fun. Um, and of course, yeah, I, we could, we probably could talk for a whole other hour. But no, I think I that this is a... Episode think, two. Episode, episode two. Part two. Part two. We'll have to have you back. Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. You guys are awesome. You guys. It may be it. a couple of years at the rate, uh, rate Jenny's people are scheduling guests. <laughs> we'll have to do some jockeying. I know. I better I better right. get rescheduled like tomorrow. To, so, so right. Yeah. By the yeah. Send yeah. my calendar link. <laughs> get in the queue. Get in the queue. Yeah. Get in the queue. We're... Um, we're going to have to or start doing two episodes a week. I've seen some podcasts that are mm-hmm. like so popular that they're starting to do two episodes a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that would be a dream. If I could pot, you were talking earlier, I think before we hit record um, about podcasting being one of your favorite things where you just get to go talk to really cool people yeah. about yeah. the things that you're passionate about. And I mean, that's why I started doing this is like, I, and, and, and ultimately like if I can make a living podcasting, oh my gosh, like getting the word out there, spreading the word, like talking about what I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. teaching, talking to people that are so cool and bring so many, so many more perspectives to the conversation. Like, like that would just be a dream come true. Yeah. And um, passing it on the idea of passing it on to parents and passing it on to kids who are listening to people right. talking about parenting going the impact. Oh, and and or this is you know the it's just it's just a pursuit in making the world a little bit better place you know spend some of your time improving the world or the world is never going to improve folks you know if not us who if not now when and all that mm-hmm. good stuff you know so yeah this is good this is good stuff can you imagine this is just the last thing i'll say i just thought about this as we're as we're talking can you imagine your child, my child, grown people with children of their own listening to this podcast. That's the kind it's of creepy. Legacy. When I think of my kids listening to this, yeah. you know, and their and their kids. And yeah, it's kind of like, oh my God, it's out there. Right. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know? And when I think about my podcast, when I think about being on other people's podcasts and the legacy, because this is mm. evergreen conversation yeah and it's that's right this is for timeless and eternal wow i'm gonna have to go back and edit all those podcasts make sure i didn't say anything i don't want (laughs) out there forever i haven't i was talking to one of my um friends 
who she and I have a, a phone call three times a week. We're both entrepreneurs and we, we kind of like check in with each other and keep each other accountable and stuff. And in our last conversation, we were talking about some of the, the, the stuff that our parents do or, or don't do or don't understand now that we're, we're becoming parents, um, you know, how, how things have changed, like how birth culture has changed, how, you know, all these different things. And I said to her, I was like, do you ever think about our kids in 20 or 30 years and this dumb shit we're going to say to them to try to give them advice in a culture that we no longer understand Yeah, like, world, baby. because things change so rapidly, especially now things change so, so quickly. And, and with social media and, and the access to information, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the level of learning and, and the spread of information is so fast. Um, so I do, I think, and I, I haven't, I haven't taken a moment to think about what I'm doing now being watched by my children. Mm-hmm. And it, that is such a profound thought that actually gives like it, it, it's motivating. It's, it's feels like it all of a sudden just became even more important. <laughs> well, it, and I, I, when, when I was sitting around talking with your friends at your, after your wedding, mm-hmm. I was so impressed by how much information, like you say, there's so much more information mm-hmm. that you can go dig up. You don't have to go to the card catalog at the library and into yeah. the uh, reader's guide to periodical literature and find mm-hmm. a reference. You know, you just type in a keyword and, and the, it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yeah. Encyclopedia available. The things we're learning here, that's great. That's knowledge. You can read about it, but there's, there's head knowledge and there's heart knowledge, right? Yeah. There's emotional stuff. And so what, it, what it's making clear to me is that what we are transferring to our kids, whether it's via a podcast in 30 years when your babies mm-hmm. are growing up or not is, is keeping it real is, you know, like, here's an idea and, and whatnot, but telling our stories to help make things real to people, yeah. you know, that's, that's what grandma and grandpa have now. Cause grandma and grandpa can't keep up with the new culture. Yeah. <laughs> We're too busy rubbing liniment on our aches and pains and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going to the doctor's appointment, you know. <laughs> chills there. You gave me chills. That's that's, that's a that's a uh, that's a that's an excellent thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, humbling yeah. thought. Thank you so much for being here, Maisha. Yes. Your contribution to the podcast is priceless and inestimable. Yep. And I think a lot of, of parents are going to reap a lot of benefits from this conversation. Um, tell people where they can find you. I'm interested in your NLP training. So tell everybody where they can find you. <laughs> awesome. Try, try us up for that. How much does that cost? Yeah. Get in the loop on that. Yes. Too. So the, the, uh, the website is mindremappingacademy.com. That's mind remappingacademy.com and there you will find all of my information about the training you'll also find a little bit of information about the communication that transforms course and even on the front page you can download a little taster and then of course if you're 
a parent who's in an organization and you're like, we want her to come speak to our people there. You can reach out to me that way as well. Um, I also am on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. That's probably my favorite platform because of the work that I do with organizations. So, uh, and I'm on, uh, I am on Facebook and I am on Instagram. So that, and and it's all backslash Dr. Maisha. So D-R-M-A-I-Y-S-H-A on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, and I am on TikTok. (laughs) Girl. Are you scaffolding or are you? Uh... <laughs> so I, do, I do do some stuff on TikTok, but it's all backslash Dr. Maisha. And then finally, if you want to learn more, hear more about the kind of work that I do, you can listen to my podcast, which is called The Black Mind yes. Garden. Yeah, and you can find yes. that on uh, in your, any of your favorite podcast platforms. It's called The Black Mind Garden, and it's just you know we have conversation about communication about about mindset, about all of the things of life and how our thoughts play into that. Our beliefs and our thoughts play into those things. Yes. Beautiful. And we will link every single one of those links in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, you can just scroll down, click the link um, and find you anywhere and everywhere. (laughs) Awesome. We will see everybody next week. Happy parenting and good luck out there. Thank you so much for having me. Well, did you learn anything new or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.